This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. Hey, yo, dog, we out here. We out here for real. Man, a lot of stuff that's happened the past, like, week or so. (laughs) This is awesome. This is awesome. And stuff just keep happening in the world of sports. The latest thing that just happened is the Knicks just hired Tom Thibodeau officially. People have spoke out about it, like David West and maybe some some other people on Twitter and on um, ESPN and Fox Sports. I'm cool with it. I think it's better than the other coaches they've had. I mean, Kurt Rambis and David Fistel, who... They were great assistants, but as head coaches, their records don't look that great. Maybe you could say the same thing about Tom, but, I mean, you can't ignore what he did in Chicago. And even in Minnesota, he got him to the playoffs. I don't mind it. I don't mind the hire. A lot of people making jokes and think that he's going to run the Knicks into the ground. I have to see it. I have to wait and see that. This is good for the Knicks, at least in the short term. Now, long-term, they might need to get a better coach, slightly better. But for now, this may be what the players need. Hey, did I want to see Mark Jackson? Of course. It didn't happen. The only way we'll know why he didn't get hired is if one of the front office staffers tell us why or Mark Jackson tell us why. I'm sure we're not going to find out for years. Or maybe just maybe Mark Jackson didn't want to coach. Maybe he was like offered an interview and he was like, nah, I'm just going to keep announcing. Hey, I would completely understand if he went that route, especially when we're not we're unsure if there's going to be a 2021 season. OK, maybe it will be, but it's going to be delayed <clears throat> or it might be another bubble. Now to the main schedule of this. So, Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams got traded to Seattle. See, my cousin asked me what my thoughts on that were. And I told him, I'm just glad he got out of New York. Because he just kept complaining. He just kept talking about the front office staff. And I saw him on a video talking about the Dallas Cowboys and playing with them. There's even a rumor that his camp tried to engineer a trade to Dallas last year. Doug, I wanted to see him in Dallas just to make him happy because I'm I'm a little bit of a fan of Jamal Adams. Uh, if he would have went to Dallas, sure would have eventually disliked them because they're the Eagles' rival and they're the Eagles' biggest rival. He would have been happy. He would have been excited. But he was excited. He's excited anyway because he knows Seattle's a good team and a good franchise. So the details, if you don't know already, is Seattle traded two first-round picks, 2021, 2022. They traded their third-round pick in 2021, and Bradley McDougal for Jamal Adams in a 2022 fourth-round pick. Now I heard somewhere that Seattle and New York Jets have been talking for a while, but that second first-round pick sweetened the deal. Two first-round picks, you might as well, especially since in recent history the Jets' first-round picks have been high, and they're they're trying to rebuild, and they're trying to build around Darnold, so why not? And the Seahawks' picks in the first round haven't been that great, especially in the secondary lately. So you might as well get a first-round quality player in a trade, an all-star, arguably the best safety in the league. They're rebuilding the secondary, and now they got the biggest piece. This might get them over the hump. This just might get them over the hump. They weren't that far away last year. A few plays against the Packers, a few plays against the 49ers, they might be in the Super Bowl again. Now they add another piece? If that offensive line can get it together, it might be a wrap. They might end up back in the Super Bowl. Now, can they beat the Chiefs or the Ravens? I don't know. That remains to be seen. But I like this trade for everyone involved. Like, the Jets got their draft picks. 
Seattle got better. Jamal Adams finally left the Jets because he was tired of them, and no one likes Adam Gase. You got the thing with their owner. He's caught up in some controversy, and he's questionable about Joe Douglas, who they they can't really get the contract talks together. So he questioned his leadership too, and his abilities. It's just, it was time for him to go. And he's finally gone. He's at a better situation. And hopefully hopefully he'll be happy and he can be a Seattle Seahawk for a while. Or maybe we'll find out if he's like a, a T.O. type or Randy Moss type that, you know, <laughs> he's going to bounce from team to team because, you know, he's loud and voices his opinion and might become unhappy with the slightest of things. I don't know. Contract things are not that slight, but I'm just saying. Just got to wait and see. Oh, something I didn't think about is the way Richard Sherman and Earl Thomas left. How they just faded away. Especially Earl Thomas. He got hurt and he wanted to get traded. He just didn't trust their front office anymore. I hope that doesn't happen to Jamal Adams. How Brandon uh, Browner left. The way L.O.B. like... The way LOB split up is very questionable and is a red flag when it comes to that and Jamal Adams. So we got to watch out for that in about two or three years. But for now, it's a good it's a good pickup. Now they got to sign Clowney. I don't know what Clowney's doing. I don't know if he's holding out for the best DN contract. If he, I think he should join the Seahawks. I think it's his best chance to win a title, in my opinion. But maybe that's not high on his priorities list. But look look at the squad they're building, though. They got Jaron Reed, Bruce Irvin, Shaquille Griffin, Bobby Wagner, K.J. Wright. You get Clowney back? Man, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. The Eagles got to play the Seahawks, so I can't wait for that. I, I can't wait to see them two face off, especially if they got Clowney. I mean, we got to get revenge for what they did in the playoffs, especially Clowney hurting Carson Wentz. Definitely got to make amends for that. This makes me excited for the season, if there is one. (laughs) There's still a chance that the NFL season might get postponed. But for now, things are looking good. The Marlins COVID thing. So now they got 18 people. 18 people test positive. They haven't played a game in like a week. They won't play until, like, Monday. All this because they played the Phillies, and the Phillies haven't played all week. The Phillies might play tomorrow. The Phillies and the Yankees series got postponed, I believe. It's crazy, man. That's just It just makes you wonder, is the MLB going to continue? And how are we going to make up all those games with the Marlins? It's going to be tough because already with the Marlins thing, with baseball in general, you got to worry about rain delays. That's already bad enough. Now you got COVID tests that might sideline a team for like a week or two? What? Either this season's going to go into November or December, or it's just not going to happen. They're just going to have to cancel it and come back next year. I hope this goes like KBO, where there are not many positive tests. And the KBO is doing so well that they have fans in the stands now. They have fans in the stands. I was watching Doosan versus Kiwoom. I watched about two games or bits and pieces of two games. They got fans. They got 700 to 1,000 fans at the game. It looked like they doing well. By playoff time, they might have a full crowd. It seemed like the MLB going backwards all these positive tests and now Juan Soto Juan Soto is not coming back until like maybe Monday because well probably Tuesday because he is waiting for clearance from the DC government I do not trust them the DC we're waiting on the DC government really oh we're we're in trouble now he really not coming back now. It's like, nah, he'll he'll be back next week. I, I believe so. Whatever they got to do, they'll make it happen. And boy, do they need him. I'll, I'll get into that later. I'm just waiting and seeing what happens with this Marlins thing. It just made me a little worried that this season ain't going to happen. Because 
MLB has been doing good so far for the most part. Like most of the teams have been playing, these games have been going on with a little issue with COVID outside of the Marlins thing. I mean, some people are opting out. Some people have opted out. For the most part, like the main stars are playing. They're playing good baseball. It's just one team, 18 cases, it's not good. It might happen to another team. It makes you worried. But I think they'll keep going. They got countless examples of other leagues making it happen and getting through. I mean, MLS is now in the quarterfinals. That looked like that's going to get through successfully. Yeah, sure. At first, they had about two teams, three teams drop out. But then they ended up being fine, and they're at this point now. Maybe that's what will be the MLB. Like, some teams will, will struggle to corral the cases, and most teams won't. And then we'll get through. We'll get through it all and then get to the playoffs and eventually the World Series. That's what I'm hoping for the MLB. In a perfect world, they end up like KBO, where they do so well that they end up having fans by the time the playoffs come around. That's what I'm hoping. It's wishful thinking, but I want the best. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Everyone wants to return to as normal as possible, and I don't blame them. So now, what we got now? Joe Kelly Astros. I just added that in there because it just happened. <laughs> so apparently Joe Kelly is is a wild it's a wild guy like known for being an unstable pitcher sometimes. So I was looking at the breakdown by John Boy. It looked like they showed about maybe about 10 pitches that he gave to um, Bregman and Correa. His fastball was all over the place. His fastball was all over the place. His breaking ball was doing pretty well. That's how he struck out Correa, because he got him with two breaking balls. But his fastball was going this way and that way and this way. I'm I, I'm thinking maybe he got frustrated and was like, screw it. I might as well just, just throw it at these guys. I might as well. I think the more I think about it, the more I believe it's just frustration to how he was pitching at the moment. And he just got mad. And I, I kind of know how that feels. Like when you frustrated, like you just you just go off on people. When you frustrated, you want to win. And things not going well. You just start talking trash. You start getting mad. You start wanting to destroy everybody. Maybe that was it. Nevertheless, it was huge outrage, cause he threw at those guys' heads. He threw at Bregman's head. He threw at Correa's head. Man. I really do think it's because he couldn't control that fastball. <laughs> because after he, after he struck out Correa, he was talking trash. He was like, it's easy. It's easy. He told Correa, nice swing, bitch. <laughs> oh, man. And Correa responded, throw your fastball. Because he knew his fastball was trash. He was like, no, nah, I struck you out. It's easy. Shut up. That's basically what he said. Man, Joe Kelly... Joe Kelly became a hero to a lot of baseball fans because he went at the Astros and he talked trash. And now the MLB suspended him for eight games. I don't know why they suspended Dusty Baker. No, they fined Dusty Baker, which I don't understand. They suspended Dave Roberts, which I don't understand. They gave Joe Kelly eight games, and the minute I saw that, my initial reaction was, why? Why? That doesn't make sense. That is too many games, especially in a 60-game season. I still think it's too many games. But you got to get something. Those were some dangerous pitches. Now, I know his fastball was struggling, but those were some really dangerous pitches. And it seemed like there was some intent because no one likes the Astros right now. I, we're not 100% sure with that. Especially what was going on leading up to that. Well, he immediately appealed. I think it should get reduced, especially in the 60-game season. At least reduce it two games. I say you should get four. I say you should get four, but especially, you know, since he had a history of doing this and he's done worse. But eight? Eight is too much. 
I'm not going to go as far as other people going. Like, Jessica Mendoza went off on on TV today, uh, basically saying, how did he get more than the players that were involved in that cheating scandal? Well, the players got immunity because they told. It was either they get suspended and not tell everything to happen, or they get immunity and tell everything to happen. You got to pick and choose. Like, you got to, like... The lesser of two evils. Like, either way, like, either way, damn if they do, damn if they don't. But a lot of people feel like they still should have got something. Or even me. But they're not going to get anything for that. It's done. Stop wishing for it. It's not going to happen. But the whole Joe Kelly fight thing was very entertaining. It was hilarious. Uh, Colin Coward talking about it now. But <laughs> I loved it. I loved all, I love all the t-shirts on Twitter. You can go buy one. I'm not going to buy it because I'm not going to spend money on that. Not right now. I don't have money in my budget for that. So I'm not going to buy it. But there's some crazy nice t-shirts out there about that whole situation. (laughs) This man. Oh, man. This man is a hero for a lot of people. And it was fun to watch. It was fun to watch. So, oh, I, I bet you he's really a legend among Dodgers fans. That's for sure. So the Wizards, the Wizards lost all their scrimmages. I'm getting into the DC teams now, except the crappy Washington football team. We'll talk about them another time. But all the other DC teams, let's. Get, oh, and DC United's out. We covered that. But the Wizards. Lost all their scrimmages. They were against the Nuggets, the Lakers, and the Clippers. They were all close. They all played their stars. Like, the Clippers and the Nuggets played their best players for the most part. You know, the Clippers are missing a bunch of people, but Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are still playing. The Lakers sat pretty much all their starters, and they still beat the Wizards. The Lakers won as a head-scratcher, especially since they had LeBron and Anthony Davis. That really didn't make sense. Especially since they let J.R. Smith score 20 points. J.R. Smith had 20. Are you serious? Deion Waiters had 18. These are the guys that killed the Wizards, who played everybody. Everyone who is going to start and play significant minutes for the Wizards started and played significant minutes against the Lakers. Who didn't have a starter. That makes me question though. Are the Wizards playing hard? Are the Wizards playing hard? And they're actually better than I thought? Are these teams just not trying. And not playing their best people. Or not playing as hard or as well. As they would in a regular game. I don't know. But the Wizards were competitive and all those games maybe it's encouraging or maybe it just leads me to wonder what's going to happen nevertheless it looks like this team is going to be led by Rui Hachimura which is great because he's our first round draft pick first round lottery pick so we need him to develop and take on a leadership role especially with uh, Wall and Bill coming back that means he'll be a great third scorer and if we get Bertans back that's if I don't know. If we get Bertans back, there goes another scorer. So if we are developing our role players to complement John Wall and Bradley Bill, that's great for next year, especially when it comes to Rui Hachimura. Looks like the Wizards are going to be led by him. And then his supporting cast will be Troy Brown, uh, Bonga, and Ish Smith, and Jerome Robinson's a pretty solid player too. And, and Thomas Robinson, who had 18 versus the Lakers. So, oh, another thing I noticed about that Lakers-Wizards game is that I didn't know that there was another there was another Antetokounmpo brother in the league. Kostas. Kostas Antetokounmpo, who is a pretty much a two-way player. So, he's not – he's definitely not going to play that much in the bubble – and I think the only reason he played, well, even he had nine against the Wizards, which is another head scratcher. But he's not really going to play. He's a two-way player. 
Then he was he was picked up by one team, then sent to another team, and then two way for them. And then he got picked up by the Lakers, and he split time between L.A. and South Bay, whatever, wherever the hell that is. So he's in the league. Hey, that's that's exciting. I maybe you'll see him in some blowouts, but I don't expect to really see him in the bubble. But it's cool to see another Antetokounmpo brother in the league. Maybe. Maybe he's the one that my friend Emily was hyping up because he went to Dominican in Wisconsin. Yeah, but we'll see. The Wizards, though, I don't know how they're going to do it. Maybe they won't be 0-8. Maybe they'll be 1-7. <laughs> It'll probably be 1-7, man. And hopefully that will help them in the future. And maybe next year we'll be back in the playoffs. If we're this close to the playoffs now without Wall and uh, underdeveloped Rui Hachimura, just imagine next year. Come on, man. The Wizards are back just after the bubble. <laughs> but the Mystics, though, the defending champs, great start. They are off to a great start, 2-0. They blew out the fever. It looked like they had control against the Sun, but they choked. But against the fever... Maisha Hines Allen was 11 for 17, 27 points, 10 rebounds. That is incredible, especially when she had 22 at halftime. Duh. That was a LeBron-ish performance. That's what I thought. Now, they beat the Fever 101-76. It helps that the only person that was really killing us on the Fever was Kelsey Mitchell. But, see, it's a 22-game season, and most likely we're going to have to play the Fever again. So, I'm... I expect a closer game next time. But as far as that game is concerned, killed them. Destroyed them. If they can keep playing like that, we don't need Deladon. If they can keep playing like that, they don't need Deladon. They don't need um, Tina Charles. I was about to say Tina Turner. (laughs) It's Tina Charles. Don't need Tina Charles, especially the way Miesemann is playing. And Ariel Powers had 27, got a shout-out for Andre Iguodala, who didn't say her name, which maybe bothers some people, but the fact that he even acknowledged Ariel Powers, like, I know he called her by her number, but the fact that he was even watching that game was great. Hey, the Mystics are doing well. Now, against the Suns, that was a close game. It's back and forth. And then the Mystics pulled away, and I kind of stopped paying attention. They were up, like, 13 or like five minutes ago then all of a sudden they couldn't make a shot and then they let the sun get back in it and next thing you know they're up two with less than a minute to go i'm like what are they doing and they're still missing shots thankfully though the sun choked the sun really choked i mean they missed some shots themselves and they weren't getting good looks at some point. Some of it was Mystic defense. Some of it was just straight-up Connecticut Sun incompetence. The funniest thing, though, oh, and Ariel Powers missed the free throw down the stretch that could have put them up four. Instead, they were only up three, and that gave the Sun another opportunity to either tie or cut it to one. And Alyssa Thomas missed the layup, Patrick Ewing style versus the Pacers. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, they lost. I was like, how do you miss that? The sun got tight. They got frustrated. A few ticky-tack fouls. They probably was frustrated about that. And then next thing you know, Mystics hit two free throws. Over. Mystics tried to get out of the way, but they didn't. And there's two wins. Now, the big test is tonight against... The Storm, who are also 2-0, and they've blown their two opponents out by, like, 20-plus points. Um, You got Brianna Stewart, Jewel Lloyd. That team's team's loaded. Sue Bird, man, that's a real test tonight. Now, we beat them three out of four last year, but mind you, they didn't have Brianna Stewart. They did not have Sue Bird. I don't know what's going to happen this time. They did beat us the first time, but we won the next three. This time, it should be a good game. It should be a good game. It's probably not going to be the first time we played them, but make a statement tonight. If the Mystics win tonight, they are definitely making a statement that they are here to stay, and they are 
force to be reckoned with. It, it will definitely show what they're made of. And I hope Maisha Hines Allen show up. Same thing with the same thing as the Wizards. We got our young players playing like that. It's over. Because next year when we do get Deladon and Tina Charles back, I'm that's if she resigns. She's kind of like Bertans with the Wizards. Like she on a one year contract and we don't know if she's coming back or not. If they when they get them back and you got Maisha Hines Allen and Ariel Powers playing like this, we're gonna win another title. We might win this one. Damn, it might go three in a row. Alright, getting ahead of myself. We're just gonna have to wait and see. Seattle's a big test. And eventually, they're going to have to play L.A. and Chicago, who are also doing well. But for now, the Mystics looking good. They're looking good. And I'm rooting for them, for sure. Now, let's get to these Nationals. So, the Nationals were 1-4. They're 2-4 and four now. They were 1-4 before last night. Max Scherzer was incredible. Ten strikeouts, seven innings pitched, no earned runs. Listen... You knew it. Like, after them last two starts he had, you knew he was going to be upset. They don't call him Mad Max for nothing. He was upset. He got them kids off his lawn. It was supposed to be a quote-unquote road game for the Nationals because the Blue Jays park in in Buffalo isn't ready because it's a triple-A park, and they have to make some changes, whatever that is. The Blue Jays had to play here another two days. And they've been going to play here in about a few hours. I was driving by Nats Park yesterday on 395. And it just it just looked weird, man. Like, the stadium was empty and the lights were on. It's like, damn, man. This is, this is not normal. This is not normal at all, bro. I'm telling you. The Nationals lost two out of three versus the Yankees. They blasted them the second time, the second game. They blasted them. 9-2. The bats came alive. Oh, Cabrera's been having a great season. Uh, Eaton's doing well. So, of course, they showed up in that second game against the Yankees. The third game, Corbin was incredible. He had no earned runs. Oh, no, he had one. That's why they took him out, because he gave up that home run to Glaber Torres late in the game. But, of course, just like Max last night until the end, couldn't get no run support. There's only, like, two or three people actually hitting the ball. It doesn't help that Juan Soto is out. The Yankees game sucked that third game because we had him, but Glaber Torres had a freaking – he had an RBI and a home run, a late, you know, inning RBI that put him up 3-2. That was a heartbreaker. And then you had the Bonifacio overslide. I watched in the highlights. I'm like, dang, man. He slid past the base, so I guess his foot was off for like a millisecond, and that's all you need in baseball for someone to just tag you and you out. Boom. That that didn't help. Or was the was the Bonifacio overslide? Is that the Blue Jays? Game? No, no, that was the Yankees game. That was the game to win. Because Stanton was 0 for 3 with three strikeouts. Judge was 0 for 4. They weren't doing nothing. The only person that was doing anything on their team was Glaber Torres. And we lost. How, bro? That's that run support. This lack of run support. And and you know what's funny? It had the bases loaded. That's another problem this team has. Leaving people on base. They left a lot of people on base two nights ago when they played the Blue Jays. Two nights ago when they played the Blue Jays, they left all them people on base and they lost 4-1. They had the bases loaded bottom of the eighth versus the Yankees. No runs. Come on, man. Gotta get it together. Now, yesterday was encouraging because 10th inning, got the bases loaded again. It helps with a runner on second, by the way. And Cabrera hit a shot to clear the bases it was a triple and we won four zero so now the nationals are two and four this is looking a lot like last year's team except this time if you go 31 and 19 if you go 19 and 31 this time you might be in trouble for real but then again expanded playoffs you might be able to squeak in the playoffs but it's looking like 19 and 31 again if they don't get it together, especially on offense. I mean, just look at it. Just look at it. In their two wins, they score nine runs and four runs. In all of their losses, in their four losses, one run, two runs, one run, one run. Come on, man. Gotta get it together, for real. I'm trying to be patient. Now, we still got a bunch of division games left. We gotta play the Phillies. Gotta play the Mets. Eventually, we'll play the Marlins. Eventually, they'll play the Braves. So, the division games will... 
really measure where this team is at and what can they do in the playoffs. That's all I'm going to say, though. Scherzer was great last night, which I love. Lou Williams got caught at Magic City. He's at his grandfather's funeral. It kind of remind me of whenever I came home from college, I always got to go to Eddie's. Always got to go to Tony Chang's. Stuff like that. You go to your favorite spots when you're home or when you're at a familiar place. You go to your favorite spots. And the questionable thing is them IG pictures that Jack Harlow posted. It looked bad. It looked like he was just chilling. Like he was just chilling with a bunch of people and not social distancing. It it was a bad look, but it was also free advertisement for Magic City. I'm pretty sure the lines are out of the door as if they needed more advertisement. Now, now it's through, it's probably through the roof. Now they probably making a ton of money. Now probably everybody going there now. It was probably already packed. Apparently the dancers aren't there. Well, I, I assume that makes sense because of COVID and stuff. But you can still order food and you can still be in the lobby and stuff. I heard I heard uh, Shannon Sharp say, well, of course he endorses it. He lives in Atlanta and he's been there before. But I heard him say he could have ordered curbside. Probably that that's what you should have did to be safe. But that's not what he wanted to do. He wanted to hang out with his guys and have fun. It's still tough, man. It's it's very risky, especially when you're going back into the bubble. People will probably never let never let him live this down. <laughs> I love it, man. Um, I'm definitely going to Magic City the next time I go to Atlanta, wherever that is. If I could shake off my folks. <laughs> I could, I'll probably go. Uh, I got to check it out for myself. But I probably got to go at a time when no one's really there. Because if I don't, I'm just going to be there forever waiting for wings. And I don't want to do that. Or there's going to be no room to sit down and enjoy the women and the food. <laughs> it's one of them places. I'm sure for the rest of the year, that place is going to be jam-packed. I'm sure. And also, I heard of some other really good Atlanta spots. That also had good wings like Blue Flame and you know places like that. It's Atlanta. They got good food everywhere. <laughs> I mean everywhere. So I'm not even surprised by that one bit. It's just pick the right one. Pick the right place. <laughs> hey, yo, it's on the bucket list now. I literally put it on the bucket list. So I got to do it. I got to do it. The NFL player opt out. So these players are opting out one by one. Dante Hightower. Dante Hightower opt out. Patrick Chung opt out. <sighs> Marquise Goodwin opt out. De'Anthony Thomas opted out. Like, they're they're solid players. They're not, they're not Mahomes. They're not Jackson. They're not A-list players. But they're pretty notable players. The guard from the Chiefs. Man, Lane Johnson just announced he got coronavirus, so who knows what he's going to do. It's not looking good. Well, it's alarming. It's alarming, but we'll see. Just We just got to wait and see. But that doesn't – that's not a good look, those players dropping out, especially from the Patriots. Six players dropped out. It's to the point where people are coming up with new Patriots conspiracy theories. If it's as if there wasn't enough already, now there's more saying they're trying to tank for Trevor Lawrence. I mean, for like the last century or so, or the last like decade and a half, people have been saying they're cheating. Now they're saying they're purposely tanking. I ain't worried about them. I don't think they're purposely tanking. Tanking. I think they got legitimate reasons to not play. I don't blame them. I don't blame anyone that wants to opt out because it's risky playing football you're all on people and close contact non-social distancing and these people got kids and family at risk family so they want to sit out and focus on their health and safety can't really blame them for doing so now just know more on the way the thing is how high profile will they will they be how high profile will they be a shout out to the three bracketeers 
They're one of my favorite followers on Twitter. All they do is just run uh, polls, Twitter polls, and put them in brackets because, you know, Sports Center and ESPN were doing that at the beginning of the pandemic, and it got a lot of engagement. So they're fun to do. I love doing them. So I found those guys right after they stopped doing that. And they've been incredible, and they're creative. There's no limits to what type of tournaments they do. And it's been fun. It's been fun the past few months just uh, following their account and voting in all these polls. So they decided to do, I don't know where they got the idea from, but I loved it. They did an upcoming podcast tournament. So Goat Level Podcast got entered into it. I was like, screw it. I might as well put myself into it. Might as well put this podcast into it. I didn't expect to win, so I didn't really advertise or spam or any of that. I didn't expect to win. I didn't win the first round big deal I, because you know I'm Mr. T- just take that L and this podcast needs a lot of work it needs to keep getting better so what I did instead was I chose to make it a point to listen to every single podcast in that bracket and it is a 32 podcast bracket so I'm going to listen to all of them at least one episode And I'm going to see what I can learn, see what I can take from them, see what I can incorporate into my podcast, make it better. And also, I'm going to fill out the bracket myself and see what I come up with. What champ do I come up with? Already, it's tough because first round, first bracket, the first two podcasts I listened to was Ye Old Crime Podcast versus the Music City Drive-In podcast. So their latest episode, Music City Drive-In podcast, was talking about the 2003 Oscars, which I did try to tape as an 11-year-old. I think I was I was 11, yeah. I tried to tape it, got bored, didn't watch it. But what I noticed was Chicago took a lot of awards. That movie, man, people love that movie. I've never seen it, and I don't really understand what's so good about it, but maybe I'll have to watch it. Gangs in New York, which I did watch like six years later in class, maybe five years later, that was a pretty good movie. I, I gotta I gotta admit, that movie was fire. I think um, Eminem and 8 Mile, they, they got an award. I was very nostalgic about that, and also, yield crime podcast their latest episode well their second the latest episode because their latest episode is about something else but this episode was about ventriloquism the history and they talking about a human head on a snake and how it's always been creepy and stuff that was pretty interesting now that podcast they got uh, two sisters and it seemed like they enjoyed doing what they doing it's a lot of laughing and giggling yeah, I like them. I really do. Um, I'm gonna have to. I'm a fan, and I'll be watching, listening to more episodes. But I guess for that matchup, I chose to go with Music City Driving. Music City Driving got a few friends and a few people. I just like this tournament. Now I listened to two more podcasts, and one was a fantasy football podcast, and another one was like a movie review type of podcast and they were talking about they were talking about uh superhero outfits and stuff (laughs) they were doing a superhero outfit draft see i like that type of creativity that's pretty cool i can't decide between yield crime podcast and um music city drive-in i'm gonna go back and forth eventually i'll pick somebody but it's just fun it's just fun i've gone through four already and it's still about 28 more to go Maybe I'll listen to more in one day instead of two in one day. Maybe I'll start listening to four or five, maybe six. But for now, it's just two a day, and I'm trying to d- determine, you know, which is better, which I'm a, which ones I'm going to stay a fan of. But Ye Old Crime Podcast and Music City, they have pretty good websites, especially Music City. Like They plug other podcasts as well on their network, which is pretty cool. Just stay tuned. I'm going to do a whole episode on that 
particular bracket, picking my winners and saying why in the notes I took. Just stay tuned for that. That should be coming within the next month or so. If I quit messing around, it might be within the next two weeks. We'll see. Now, the hypothetical game of the week episode. (laughs) See, I messed that up. The hypothetical game of the episode is a flag football superstar KO between Team Van and Team Kanye. So, this combines pretty much everyone from all my hypothetical game of the episodes. Winners and losers is someone represented from every game of the episode whether they won or lost so it's winners versus losers so for team van ironically though i was a winner and a loser two and two in hypothetical game of the episodes so it's me barry mccockner jason white chinny chinny agumake colton i forgot his last name but the the guy that's always with dante frega that played for umass him clay travis Isaiah Thomas, Tim Duncan, and Bless the God, the battle rapper. Uh, battle rapper, regular rapper, whatever. He was on 106 in part. The losers, my brother Austin, even though, yeah, he lost twice. Yeah, nah. My little brother, Michael Jordan, who surprisingly lost twice. Justin Fields, Spencer James, Liv Cowherd, Kanye West, Flight, Flight Reacts, Mike Florio, and Jalen Rose. Now, I left out some good people like Joy Taylor and Joe Burrow and Cruden Gog, Sean Cody, Tommy Harris, Bill Lambert. I left out some really good people. Reggie Bush, Reggie Miller. I left out some good. There's some good people I could have picked for this game, but the lineups for the winner and loser is pretty good. So, well, we're going to take it. Anyway, if you don't know the rules of Madden Superstar KO, Oh, and all these people got, got, you know, abilities, athletic abilities, like fictional athletic abilities. And the people who are already athletes, you know, they're back to their prime, like where they were in hypothetical game of the episode. Even Florio and Clay Travis, who didn't really do anything athletic, they're given athletic superpowers just to make it fair and fun. So in Madden Superstar KO, here's how it works. So one team... So at first, you pick like three superstars, maybe offense, defense, maybe all defense, maybe all offense, but you pick these superstars to add to your base team, which have different like prototypes. Like one may be specializing in passing offense, one may be specializing in run defense, pass defense, one may be specializing in trick plays, one may be specializing in fundamental plays. One may be balanced. But you have a base team and a base set of players. Then you pick three superstars. And when you get in the game, when you get in the game, you have to score. You have to score, right? So if you don't score, the other team gets the ball and they get a chance to score. If they score, they win. If not, they go to a tug of war. Or if you both score, if there's a match, like whether you score or not score, you go to a tug of war. And if you score in the tug of war, game's over automatically. If you don't score, they bring in the end zones. They bring in the end zones every play. You get five plays in tug of war. They bring in the end zones. By the fifth play, the end zone is so tiny that you might start to play in the end zone and win the game. Hey, that's happened to me on both sides i played a lot of superstar ko because it's fun anyway in this in this setting we're not playing madden style superstar ko this well we are but <laughs> this time it's flag football because i'm in a flag football pickup group so we're gonna play sort of by their rules too we're gonna pretend like we're gonna pretend like we're at Virginia Highlands Park and we are playing seven on seven with two subs and we're playing with flags everyone is in their prime and got athletic superpowers like Michael Jordan is got the golden ticket 
He's the best player on the field, even though he ain't a football player. Of course, you got me, who a superstar blocker. You got my brother, who's a superstar receiver. You got Kanye West and McCockner, who are rare, rare talents, linebacker and receivers. Hey, looks like a good game. Looks like a good game on paper. But, you know, this is how it goes. So this is how it goes. Losers get the ball first. So the losers gets the ball first. So the people who are subbed out, Tim Duncan and Jason White are out for the winning team, which is Team Van. And Florio and Jalen Rose are out for Team Kanye, which is the loser team. So we... We come out of the cover two. We come out in the cover two with uh, Chene and Isaiah Thomas at corner. You got Colton at safety. You got Clay Travis at safety. And yet somehow, some way. Oh, and with uh, and we got blessed pass rushing. All of a sudden, see the drive started. So it's a sixty-yard fill. So the drive starts at the five because that's how we do in our flag football group. We start everything at the five. So the drive starts at the five. Justin Fields, go back to throw. Michael Jordan runs a post. Past Isaiah Thomas who playing flats. Once once he get past Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah Thomas abandons his zone and runs after Jordan. But Jordan split the safeties. Split the safeties. Justin Fields throws a bomb. Jordan catches it and runs in for the touchdown. And already it's 6-0. 6-0 Team Kanye. Just like that. So then, two-point conversion. Justin Fields takes the ball. Bless is not really pressuring him, so he's standing around. And then when Bless finally gets free of the blocker, when he finally... Gets free of the blocker, who just happens to be Flight. Flight is blocking. So once he gets past Flight, finally, Justin Phil lets it go and gets it to Liv Cowherd in the back of the end zone. And now it's 8 nothing. Now it's 8 nothing. Loser team, a.k.a. Team Kanye. So now we get the ball. Team Van gets the ball. At the five. So then, all right, incomplete first play, incomplete second play. I'm blocking. Michael Jordan is rushing. I'm, I've, I'm not having that much trouble with Michael Jordan. So then the first two plays. After that, I start having trouble with Michael Jordan. He start just bum-rushing me and getting past me and putting pressure on Jason White. But yet still, we find a way to complete the third down pass to Barry McCockner. Now the people who are in now, people who are subbed out for Team Kanye is Liv and Justin Fields. Chene and Blessed are out for a Team Van. So the third down pass caught near the first down line by Barry McCockner. So now it's fourth down. This is for the game. We get stopped, we lose. So Jason White gets the pass, immediately pressured by Michael Jordan, but he finds Colton Middle of the field, first down. First down, we got another four down. So then the next play, sacked by Michael Jordan, we're back at the first down line. So second down, so second down, Jason White, back to pass. He passes it to Tim Duncan, who mosses Spencer James. <laughs> he mosses Spencer James. So he catches it towards the sideline, and now he's out of bounds. And now we're about, about 20 yards away from the touchdown third down third down jason white throws it to the end zone after being pressured by um, michael jordan once again and clay travis clay travis was the intended receiver he didn't catch it big deal fourth down so now oh by the way and, and also in our flag football pickup you can only you can only rush from five yards out so now you only get one close blitz from the line of scrimmage uh, each set it down. So now Michael Jordan's lined up close. They switch out me for Tim Duncan. So Tim Duncan is going to block Michael Jordan now on fourth down, 20 yards to go. So then Jason White rolls out. He got a little bit of time. He's waiting, waiting. No one's open. 
No one's open. They're in a zone. No one's open. Then all of a sudden, I shake free. I shake free and find a hole in the zone. I catch the touchdown. And now it's six to eight. Now it's six to eight. We got to get this two-point conversion to tie. I mean, not to tie. Yeah, to tie. So, so we decide to huddle up. And we decide on a reverse, like, end around to Colton. So, two receivers on the left. Tim Duncan snapping. Everyone else to the right. Jason White's quarterback. Jason White gets the ball. Colton is motioning. He comes around. Pitches it to Colton. He runs. He runs towards the pylon. Dives. Scores. 8-8. So now we're tug of war. So now we're tug of war. So it goes back and forth, goes back and forth. Michael Jordan's double team, triple teamed. So now we get to the last play. The last play of tug of war. We're 10 yards away. We've gotten to a point where we have to hike the ball in our own end zone. You have to hike the ball in our own end zone. Because we stopped the other team short of scoring. So we got starting on end zone. So Jason White back to throw. Jason White back to throw. He escapes Michael Jordan, which causes Tim Duncan to block him again. Yeah, there were different subs coming in and out, but we get back to our original lineups for this last play. So now Jason White rolls out. Tim Duncan crack back blocks Michael Jordan. Rolls out. He throws it towards he throws it towards Tim Duncan, who releases Michael Jordan and goes to the end zone, which is 10 yards away. Jason White throws it to him. It's off his hands. You know, if this pass hits the ground, the other team wins because they start the ball in our end zone. If it's if it doesn't go in, they win. He drops the ball, right? It tips and Chene grabs it. For the touchdown, Team Van wins. Dramatic. Dramatic finish. Good win. The team splits $25,000. And we go about our business. So, hey, great game. Fun episode. I'm out. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the GOAT Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.